Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Good morning, Church Online. Thank you for joining us this morning. Today, this morning, as our minister, it's more than a sermon. Jesus wants to meet with you. There's an impartation. So I want you to just get your faith up. I want you to have an expectancy to meet with God. Yes, I'm going to preach. Yes, I'm going to share with you from the Word of God. But Jesus wants to give you something today. Now, we're in this sermon series called Fire and Ashes. And it's about us going through the fire. And there's a number of fires that we go through. But this is what the Word of God says, our theme scripture in Isaiah 43. But now, this is what the Lord says. He created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the water, I'll be with you. And when you walk through the flame, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We're looking at the goodness of God in this sermon series. We're looking at how he meets us in the midst of fires, in the midst of trials, in the midst of fires of different kinds. But today... I want to speak to you about a different kind of fire. I want to speak to you about a glorious, powerful fire that is available to you if you'll just ask for it. Matthew 3 verse 11, John the Baptist speaking, and he's speaking of Jesus and he says this, I baptize you with the water for repentance. That's John speaking. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, Jesus spoke about John and he said, of those born of a woman, there's there's none greater. So so we do well to listen to, to what John said. And it's so interesting. Of all the things that John could have said about Jesus, he said the following. He said, he's more powerful than I. He said, I'm not worthy to to even do up his sandals. And then he said, and he is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Again, Luke 3.16. So firstly, Matthew 3.11, then Luke 3.16. Again, John speaking of Jesus. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire, this fire that he's speaking of, is not passion, although it brings passion. It's not enthusiasm, although it brings enthusiasm for sure. It's not revival, but undoubtedly it brings revival. What is this fire? Let me tell you about a great fire. This isn't the fire that the sermon is about. This is an illustration about a great fire. In the summer of 1656, sorry, 1665, something called the Great Plague, bubonic plague, was also known as the Black Death hit London, and um, it was a ghastly disease. About a fifth of the population of London succumbed to the most terrible of diseases. Their skin went patchy, constant vomiting. Um, Their tongue would swell up and they'd have splitting headaches. It was a ghastly death. And it came about because of rats and because of the fleas that were on rats. And you might have learned this little song growing up, ring a ring of roses, and then it goes, all fall down, dead. That song came as a result of the Black Death. That came as a result of this bubonic plague in England. And um, 
something fascinated, fascinating happened a year later. So while this plague is, is running through London, on a particular day, it was about, uh, it was Thursday, sorry, it was Sunday, the 2nd of September, 1666, in a baker's a bakery, a fire started. His name was Thomas Farriner, and his bakery caught on fire. And the Lord Mayor was called, and they said, we need to get rid of um, the buildings around it because we're not going to be able to put out this fire. And he prevaricated, and he held off, and he didn't demolish the buildings. And then a mighty gale came, a mighty east wind, and it started to blow. And so this fire went out of control, and still the Lord Mayor held off on, on demolishing the buildings. And so it spread. And swirling winds caused sparks and twigs and uh, flames to rise up and travel long distance. These flakes fell on the, on the wooden houses and in the gutters. And so the fire spread and spread and spread. Eventually, London was engulfed in flames. Absolutely. 450 acres, most of London, was just absolutely engulfed with flames. So interesting. The Muse Museum of London suggests the following. The burning down of most of London caused the rats to flee, caused these decrepit old buildings to be, to be burnt up, caused these fleas to be incinerated. And after this great fire, they rebuilt London. They built the streets a bit wider. They built the sewers underground. They no longer built with, with wood, but they built with stone. They built with brick, and London never faced a plague again. We know that the rebuilding of London made it a place that the inhabitants were delighted to dwell in. A number of beautiful buildings, including St. Paul's, was rebuilt, and uh, the Royal Society. And, and London came into a time of, of renaissance, of flourishing of, of the arts and of the, science, and of the sciences. The impact of this great fire was that this great plague for the most part was destroyed. Friends, we need a great fire to deal with any darkness, any fleas, any plague in our hearts. The fire of God brings a cleansing. The fire of God brings a purging. The fire of God brings a renewal into our lives. It brings change. It brings deliverance. It ups the temperature of our lives. We need the fire of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So this fire that John is speaking of is God himself. That after, after him will come one, Jesus, who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is God's love and light and purging and cleansing and power and purity. This is God's presence that needs to come into our lives. When the fire comes, the temperature goes up. And no longer is there a lukewarmness in us. If, if you're here today as you're watching and you're just sensing a, a lukewarmness in your soul, that you're just a bit iffy towards God, that you're not happy, that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then let the fire of God come into your life. Let it burn up as it burnt up London and got rid of the plague. Let a great fire come into your life. The fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the presence and the power of God. When the fire comes, 
There's a dunamis. There's a power. When the fire comes, there's a consuming. There's a purging. There's a getting rid of stuff that shouldn't be there. We need the fire of God in our lives. So what is our part in receiving the fire of God? What is our part in receiving what, what Jesus has for us? What Jesus said to his disciples in, in Acts 1 verse 4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father that he promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then again, in Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one accord. Now, there are preconditions for a fire to be effective or a fire to start and a fire to continue. The preconditions in London was wood, there was alcohol, there was tar, there were cloths, and there was a great wind. For a fire to be successful, there needs to be combustibles, there needs to be oxygen, and there needs to be a flame. So what, what's needed for us? Well, the disciples were, were instructed to wait in Jerusalem. And so they waited. And that's the first ingredient. You want the fire of God? Simple obedience. Obedience will bring the fire of God. Secondly, they waited with expectancy. They believed the words of Jesus. And if you want the fire of God, there needs to be a simple faith saying, Jesus, you promised it. I believe it. I want to receive it. You know, the greatest phenomena of the 20th century has been the charismatic Pentecostal renewal. 8% of the world's population describes themselves as Pentecostals, charismatics. And this came about as, as God renewed the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the experience of the fire of God since Azusa Street. And uh, sociologists and psychologists and social commentators don't know what to make of it. But it has spread throughout the world as the fire of God has come. So what is required? Obedience, expectancy. And then there's an interesting word. It's that, that word one accord, they were together in one accord. In the Greek, it's homothemodon. Excuse me, Dimitri, my learned colleague, if I got the pronunciation wrong. Homothemodon. And it literally means of one mind, of one accord, of one purpose. We need to be together in unity oneness of heart in one accord we need to be good with one another we need to be you need to be good with your husband good with your wife good with the relationships that are important to you so it's obedience it's expectancy but also you need to be in one accord with those relationships that are important to you because as you are a commanded blessing the presence and the power and the fire of god comes upon you and then what is needed is that fire that comes from god where he sees that we're expectant he sees our hearts, he sees our faith, and then the fire comes. As every nation leaders in Southern Africa, we have, have emphasized three themes for the next three years. And one of them is a pursuit of the Holy Spirit and a pursuit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because we see across the world, um, after this great move of God, this Azusa Street revival of the 20th century, in the 21st century, we see churches and we see Christians starting to drift off being passionate for the fire of God, being passionate for the Holy Spirit. So this is an emphasis that we are saying, what gift are you pursuing? What of the Holy Spirit are you pursuing? Because this is what God has for us. Jesus said the following in Luke. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. 
For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and he who knocks the door is opened. Verse 11, which of, your fa- which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will, will give him a scorpion? If you then are evil, if you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So Jesus is saying, ask. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. And what, what's the context? Ask for the Holy Spirit. Seek for the Holy Spirit. Knock for the Holy Spirit. And then he says, your natural fathers, as bad as they are, aren't going to give a snake or a scorpion when a child asks for bread. And how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All we need to do is, is come like children and say, Jesus, Heavenly Father, you are good. Jesus told us to ask, so we ask. We ask for the fire of God. We ask for the Holy Spirit. I need it. Won't you come in? Won't you burn out the dross? Won't you take away my lukewarmness and bring the fire of God back into my life again? David Hernandez, the great preacher, tells a story about what happened in Maywood, California. Sweet little church, beautiful unity. One night, they're worshiping God. Spirit of God was flowing. People were experiencing miracles, signs, wonders, healings. People were falling down just under the power and the glory. The, the presence of God was thick. Everyone was just enjoying. And there was order in the place. And yet it was powerful. God was moving. The Spirit of God was moving powerfully. And then all of a sudden they hear a loud on the door, banging on the door. And uh, they look and they open the door and David and Andy tell the story how firemen were knocking on the door and they said neighbors had called us because they'd seen flames over the church. They invite the firemen in. They see there's no flames and then they say to them, what you've got on you won't put out these flames. And that's the truth, brothers and sisters. As the fire of God comes upon us, no man externally can put it out. The only people that can quench the fire of God is you yourself. And you don't want to do that. You want to say, come Lord, pour out the fire more and more on me. We've all been through tests in this season. I know many of you have been through, through great trials. But there is a fire, a good fire, a holy fire, a powerful move of God that is available to you to, to burn out the dross, to, 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 to deal with the disappointments, to cleanse you and renew you and set you aflame. Again, won't you let that fire of God come into your life? Won't you welcome it? Won't you ask for it? I want to speak to all the Christians for a moment. Those of you who've been serving the Lord, baptized two years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. In Leviticus 6 verse 13, it says, talking about in the temple, it says, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. The fire must not go out. And this is emphasized verse 9, verse 12, and verse 13 of Leviticus, that in the presence of God, in the temple of God, the fire must be continuously burning. Now, Ephesians 5, verse 16 says that we should quench the attack or the fiery darts of the enemy. Quench is like pour water on it and to get rid of it. Now, that same word is used in 1 Thessalonians 6, verse 19, where it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. 
And you and I are the only ones that can quench the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How do you quench the Holy Spirit? If there's nothing on the altar, if there's nothing to burn, then the fire goes out. And you know what needs to go on the altar? Something combustible. <laughs> and that, brothers and sisters, is you and I. You and I are the things, you and I are the ones that need to go on the altar. As we go on the altar, as we surrender our lives to him, as we welcome him, as we expect, as we ask, as we receive, the fire of God continues to burn. What happens when the fire of God comes? Peter was changed from a denier to a declarer. He was changed from, from, from cowardly to courageous. He was changed from, from fearful to fearless. As the fire of God comes, our, our lips and our hearts change. You know, Israel was led by the pillar of fire by night. And, and you don't need astrology. You don't need your granny. You don't need to consult your ancestors. What you need is the fire of God, the Holy Spirit in your life to lead you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to empower you. Every part of our lives needs the fire of God. From inside our soul, to our relationships, our marriage, our parenting, our business, our witness out there, we need and we should be seeking after the fire, the fire of God. So we're not lukewarm, so we're not doing this in our strength, but we are doing this in the strength and the power of God. The consequence for the early church in Acts chapter 2 of the fire of God coming upon them was they became bold. Their external circumstances didn't change, but their internal changed as the fire of God, the tongues of flame came upon them. They didn't wait for things to improve, but they started to preach the gospel. There was a burning inside of them and they had to let it out and they had to speak and they became exceedingly bold in their faith and they trusted God for great things and God answered with great miracles and they weren't empowered just for their own sake it wasn't just about their experience but they were empowered to bring the light and the life and the grace of God to the people of Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth and we need the fire of God that we might be his witnesses that we might get out there that we would be courageous bold that as we speak our words don't fall to the ground but people experience God the fire reset their priorities they refused to be intimidated no longer were they afraid no longer were they scared of the Romans or, 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 or the Jewish authorities they preached the gospel wherever they went even though they were they were persecuted and they fled wherever they went. The fire of God burned in them so much that it burned in their words and people were transformed. Acts chapter 8, as the word was preached, the Holy Spirit fell. Acts chapter 10, while they were preaching, the Holy Spirit fell and they were surprised because it was Gentiles. In Acts 19, when the apostles come to what is described as believers, the first thing they did, the first thing the apostles did, they said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. So for the apostles, it was of utmost importance. For John, it was of utmost importance that he described Jesus as the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. May this not be a small thing in our lives. May this not be a small thing in our church. May it be a great thing. Something that we pursue. Something that we go after. Something that we heed the words of Jesus. Where he says, ask and you'll receive. 
Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Talking about the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know yourselves that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? You need to just open up your heart. You need to allow this temple to be cleansed. Let the fire of God come in. Let the fire of God burn out the fleas and the rats and the dross that's in your life. Let you be a temple that is full of the fire and the presence of God. Jesus said in John 16, he said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go that the Holy Spirit would come. Luke 4, Jesus faces his greatest trial. He faces the temptation in the wilderness. Incredible fast of 40 days and then the devil himself coming to tempt him. How does he do it? He faces it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus faces the devil filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes into fasting filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to end on one verse and, and a reminder of the first verse. 1 Corinthians 14 says the following. Eagerly desire the spiritual. Literally it says the spiritual. Talking about the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. Eagerly desire the spiritual. Especially that you might prophesy. Now for, for you church online, um, I want you to change your posture. And whether that just means sitting up or, or lifting up your hands or or getting on your knees because the Lord wants to meet with you right now. There's no distance in, in, in God. He wants to touch you now. And what is required of you simply is for you to ask for the fire, for you to ask for a fresh baptism, for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. He won't give you a snake or a scorpion as you ask but he will pour out the Holy Spirit and fire upon you as you are. So, so doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you're sinless, but, but I just want you to come now and ask for the fire of God in your life. Ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So, so lift up your hands, stand, get on your knees, just in your posture, just, just change something as a sign of you wanting God. And, and, and we're going to pray now. And we're going to trust Jesus the baptizer that you receive the fire of God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, time, space is nothing for you. Right now, I ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit and fire upon your son, upon your daughter, as they're sitting, as they're standing, as they're kneeling in their homes, on their laptops, with their phone, right now. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, where there is disappointment, where there is darkness, where there is discouragement, I just, I just pray, Holy Spirit, come. From the top of their heads to the tips of their toes, Holy Spirit, come. I pray for your fire. I pray for your refreshing. Lord, as we, as we began the sermon series, Lord God, we are looking to you for your fire. Some of you are going to sense a warmth. Some of you are going to maybe want to begin to speak in, in languages that you've never spoken before. For some of you, it might be just a gentle peace. Come Holy Spirit. Come upon your son. Come upon your daughter right now. Lord, never the same. Lord, mark them. Mark them with your presence. 
Give them a fire to be bold. Give them a fire to, to, to trust you for new things. Give them a fire so that they're no longer lukewarm. No longer backwards and forwards in their, in their relationship with you. Burn inside of them. Lord, your sons and daughters, they are your temple. Be pleased to dwell in their midst. To dwell inside of them as individuals. Let, let tongues of fire come upon every person. Even as you're asking, for some of you, you need to ask for specific gifts. That verse in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. Asking for them. Seek out to speak in tongues. Seek out to prophesy. Seek out to be used by God in gifts of miracles and gifts of healing and, and a gift of faith. Won't you ask right now for a particular gift? Lord, we pray and we ask in this holy moment for gifts to be imparted. Gifts of faith. Gifts of prophecy. People who have never prophesied before would begin to prophesy. People who have never spoken in tongues would begin to speak in tongues. Right now, Lord, let your fire fall. Let your fire fall and impart gifts to your sons and daughters. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friends, as I conclude, let me just say this. For some of you, I know it's been a powerful encounter. And for some of you, it might be a, a gentle, small fire that starts. And if you're in that category, you're the same as me. When the Holy Spirit first came upon me, it was gentle, but it just grew and grew and grew. So don't be discouraged. But spend time with God. Spend time with God today. Go for a walk. Spend time on your, on your own. And just ask for more of the fire and that those flames would be fanned up and become more and more and more powerful. God bless you. Thank you so much for that message, Pastor Roger. And what a great reminder to keep pressing into the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of the time when the disciples were in the upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 and verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, there came uh, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And this picture is such, a, such a, an amazing representation of how we should react to this message is that it's not just a once-off event, but they keep pressing into the Holy Spirit. They keep searching and keep wanting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's about the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning. Take What you take away from this message is to continually press into the Holy Spirit, ask Him for the giftings, continuously walk in the Spirit as Paul says that we are supposed to do, and go and desire those giftings because God is faithful enough to give them to you. Be blessed.